Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode seven, and welcome to a brand new format of the Strange Heartland podcast. Once again, I know that we keep flip flopping, but I think that this is actually for the better now. So, without further ado, and I know that we said we had a big announcement um, on Monday, which, uh, you know, the flu was going around here, like a stomach bug, and it was fucking super terrible. But um, now everybody's healthy, and I'm proud to introduce my newest co-host, and hopefully she's going to stick around for a long time, Miss Jory. I am germ-free, folks. You're germ-free? Good. And I'm here to podcast. So as I had mentioned in my update, um, I think it was in April, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But we're going to start with Ohio, and specifically, and I didn't really mean for it to go this route, but it kind of, Ohio is such a weird place. I decided just to, to cover as much as we possibly can. Um, so I had originally started with the idea of exploring Johnson's Island, which is right next to Sandusky, Ohio, right on the Lake Erie. Can I, I don't know. It's on yeah, Lake Erie, it's off right? Of Lake Erie. Yeah. So <clears throat> we're going to dive into that first. So, um, Jory Johnson's Island was established as a military prison camp for Confederate officers during the Civil War. Yes, it was. And um, I believe that it was uh, it was designed to hold like 2,500 prisoners, but actually like 10,000 men had passed through during the 40 months of its existence. Yeah, I have um, over 15,000 men were incarcerated during its three-year run oh my in my notes. 26 of the prisoners were either generals or officers who became generals during or after their imprisonment. Um, there were a small number of privates, bushwhackers, guerrillas, and citizens suspected of disloyalty to the Union. Um, the maximum number of prisoners at any one time was about 3,200, but like I said, over 10,000 had passed through um, during it while it was open. Mm -hmm. So... The weird thing about um, Johnson's Island is that in the in the graveyard there, there are about 200 um, gravestones, like known markers. And recently, uh, because of advancements in archaeological technology, they actually found that there are about an additional 100 oh, wow. grave, uh, graves just scattered throughout the island. All right, so after it was a prison camp, they actually turned it into a pleasure resort and a quarry operation. There were two resorts on the island at different times in 19 or I'm sorry, in 1894, the Johnson's Island Pleasure Resort Company leased 20 acres of land from Leonard B. Johnson. The resort closed a couple years later in 1897 due to an unfortunate accident and a fire that destroyed the large pavilion. The second resort opened in 1904 using the same name. Despite large crowds and many improvements, this resort was closed in 1906. An existing quarry on the island was enlarged in 1901 to produce limestone for breakwaters in Cleveland, Lorraine, and Cedar Point, uh, and many other locations. During the quarry operation, a village for approximately 150 people uh, was constructed. It included a school, a tavern, and a post office. Quarrying on a large scale ended in 1908 after a few years, but stone continued to be mined from time to time. The reason why I brought up the quarry is because I guess the strangest tale about Johnson's Island is that the quarry workers were largely 
immigrants from Italy. Okay. So these Italian dudes were um, hearing this off in the distance. They were hearing somebody whistling a tune, right? That's not creepy at all. Right. So they're like fresh Italians. They have they can't speak English or anything like that. So their their foremans noticed that during the day they were whistling this tune that was like extremely familiar to people who are from America and, and kind of have an idea of like history and whatnot. And it was, they were whistling Dixie. Oh, wow. Right. So they were hearing somebody at night, like whistling Dixie in in the day when they were quarrying and stuff, like they were just whistling Dixie, you know? And there's apparently the graveyard that I had mentioned earlier. There's a large like statue and I forget the name of the general. Let me look it up real quick. Pause. You need to call this like pit stop and have yeah. like, turn the radio back. Uh, so the statue that was erected um, by the Daughters of the Confederacy of Cincinnati, uh, Ohio chapter, is said to be haunted. And this statue is called the Lookout. And apparently at midnight, it moves. It changes its like position on the pedestal. Which well, is no wonder it's called the Lookout. <laughs> so that was Johnson's Island, which is kind of weird. But you have something that's even crazier and more well-known. I do. I am going to cover the Ohio State Reformatory, which some of you have seen a glimpse of the Reformatory if you are a fan of the film Shawshank Redemption, which most of this was filmed at. But tying in to Johnson's Island, as well with the Civil War, the history of the Reformatory begins where the land was built in 1861, the land was used at this time for a training camp for Civil War soldiers. Um, the camp's name had a significant meaning to Ohio as it was named Camp... Mordecai? Mordecai. Thank mm. you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Mordecai. Martelin? Bartolin? Bartolin? Man, that is crazy. Sheesh. What, is Google, what does Google say? Yeah, let's ask Google. Google Translate. Google Translate. <laughs> Mordecai Bartlin. Uh, Bart? Bartlian. Got a winner. Of the Mansfield man who served as Ohio's governor in the 1840s. In 1867, Mansfield was promoted as a candidate for the placement of the new Intermediate Penitentiary, the original name before it was changed later on to the Ohio State Reformatory. The one that everybody knows. Yep. The one and only. The city later went on to raise $10,000 to purchase 30 acres of land for the prison and the state required state acquired, sorry people, I don't know how to read my notes, 150 acres of adjoining land for 20,000. Huh. The overall cost of the facility was $1,326,769. I wonder what that is in today's money. I know. It's got to be crazy. Yeah, especially for that time. For sure. The Intermediate Ohio State Reformatory was attended as just that, a halfway point between the Boys Industrial School in Lancaster and the State Penitentiary in Columbus, which was intended to house young first-time offenders. Construction began in 1866 and remained under construction until 1910. I guess they were just having a lot of funding problems, which caused construction delays. The original architect for the design was Levi T. Schofield Schofield from Cleveland who used three architectural styles from Victorian Gothic 
Richardsonian Romanesque and Queen Anne. Schofield designed the reformery with unique styles to help encourage inmates in hopes to become reborn back into their spiritual lives. Can we talk about that? Which like, is like super weird because that is like the creepiest looking like building I've ever seen. Yeah, because like how is that supposed to inspire them? To, I know because like, in, in the front it looks like a cask, a right, castle, yeah. which um, which I read when I was doing my notes is the. Roman, um, like maybe to like get the, the Richard, fuck out of there. Or something, yeah, the Richardson Romanesque was the style in the front, which is like that castle-looking medieval. And it's so weird because when you look at the pictures, like you know how like when you go to a museum and those plates that were they're hand painted and everything. Yeah, like the, the rails. Ones. Yeah, the rails of the stairwells. That's what that looks like. There's that kind of design in the inside and it's really creepy. The creation and the overall construction of the entire building was given to a well-known architect, F.F. Schnutz, whose name also appears on the cornerstone and is recorded as the superintendent and supervising architect on the documents found in the building later on. He was later given a silver double inkwell by the governor of the state in a lavish ceremony to thank him for his services. And I wanted to look up what what a silver double inkwell was and it's just a really nice little trinket where you hold the ink for the pins back then yeah and they have two little i guess canisters on the side but it's just a really nice huh ink pen holder i want one <laughs> all for building a you know a prison Let's go Seems build like prisons. there should be like a little bit more than that. I know. Uh, you know? He built a <laughs> like, prison. Here you go. Here has have a pen holder. Yeah. <laughs> Um, in 1891, the name was changed from the immediate uh, penitentiary to the Ohio State Reformatory. I think I just said that again from what was early the, on the notes. What's the difference? I mean, what happened when it became the reformatory? Well, I think... Know? Like it was for more serious offenders? or Yeah, I think for the reformatory, that's when they were opening it for more serious offenders. Earlier on, it was just supposed to be for like younger... Like, juvie? like juvenile? Like, like juvenile. Oh, like, weird. yeah, you know, yeah. young first offenders wasn't really supposed to be for serious, serious criminals. September 15, 1896, the reformatory opened its doors for the very first time. It brought in its first 150 offenders. Um, they were brought on a train from Columbus, and upon arrival, they were immediately put to work on the prison sewer system and the 25-foot stone wall surrounding the complex. Now, the sewer thing kind of cracks me up because if you've seen Shawshank Redemption... That's how they get out, right? That's how he gets, yeah, out. How he gets out. Yeah, so... Um, spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler <laughs> alert, guys. If you haven't seen that Morgan Freeman Whoops. movie. A United States court ruling ordered the facility to be closed in 1986 due to overcrowding and inhumane conditions due to delay in constructing the replacement facility, um, which was the Mans Mansfield Correctional Institution, which was located on the west end of the old prison. The doors didn't close officially till 1990. Wow, that's quite a gap there, yeah. Yeah. Since its closing, most of the grounds and support buildings, including the outer wall, have been demolished. So I know that there's like a like they're trying to preserve it, right? So yeah. at what point did they did they bring in like this like this group to actually start doing that? Because they were tearing down walls. In 1995, the Mansfield Reformer, uh, Reformatory Preservation Society was formed, and that's when they decided to um, turn the prison into a museum and start con conducting tours to help fund the grounds rehabilitation projects. Yeah. And then just, you know, to help work on stabilizing the building's, um, 
grounds from further deterioration. Was that after Shawshank? So like they were kind of like, oh man, this is like so beautiful. Why are we tearing this thing down? Like, yeah, that was after like, Shawshank because so cool. uh, Shawshank was 1994 when they filmed that. Oh, okay. Um, the East Cell Block remains the largest freestanding steel cell block in the world at six tiers high. And I didn't get to confirm it while I was doing my notes, but I'm pretty sure it's in the Guinness Book of World Records. And it's also the creepiest cell block I probably have ever seen. Yeah. 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 It's, it's it, super The gross. pictures are eerie. Yeah, They're really eerie. Sure. And I really wish I, I couldn't find anything. But I'll admit, I got sick this week, so I was kind of strapped for time. But I really wanted to see if I could find any research of Morgan Freeman and, like, the cast and the like crew. Like, if they had any experiences. Any, if they had any experiences, yeah. because the majority of the film was just there at when the reformatory. I, when I think of the Ohio State Reformatory, I always think of Ghost Hunters. Like, do you remember yeah. that episode? Like, it's, like, the famous one. It's like, dude, run! You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there's definitely, once we get there, there's a lot there. And I don't even know if I even uncovered everything that's gone on because right. it's just such a hot spot. I would love to go there someday. Oh, me too. Um, so over 200 people died at the reformatory, including two guards who were killed during escape attempts. Whoa. Yep. And then just kind of going into where it is current day. Um, current day, the prison is open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 4 um, the prison has, like I said, the prison has had many films, music videos, and many television shows that were filmed on location. Um, some were filmed while the prison was still in operation, and some after closing the facility. The first movie was filmed, I think I saw, it was 1975. Artists well-known that have done music videos there, some include Godsmack, Little Wayne, Marilyn Manson, and also scenes from Air Force One were filmed at the prison. Really? I didn't know about that. Yep. About Air Force One. Yep. Since um, the Restoration Committee um, took over to date, these are the things that happened fixed. Um, the removal of debris, replacement of roofing around the prison, complete restoration of the warden's quarters, complete restoration of the central guard room between the east and west cell blocks. The windows of the south side east cell block have been replaced and the original stained glass windows that were in the building are planned to be replaced if they haven't already. All restoration, um, like we stated before, are funded by tour fees and other events hosted by the Restoration Committee. Some of the events include, um, they have an event called Blood Prison, which is hosted every Halloween. And it's kind of like an escape room type event from what I saw from the section of the website. Um, history meets Hollywood Tour. It's a focus tour directed more towards the history and some of the access, um, access to areas that aren't on the other tour routes. The one that really intrigued me the most was the inmate tour. It's a guided tour by a former inmate at the reformatory itself. Now, I didn't really get it's dope, but I didn't really get to see, get to do a little bit more research in that. I'm like, okay, that's really dope, but that's also really creepy. Like, did he serve his sentence? Like, yeah, like, like, why was he in there? Like, Like, what was going on? Did he still have time? So they just decided you're going to be a tour guide for the rest of your turn. (laughs) Like, okay. Um, also, the one thing that really, really intrigued me is ghost hunting tours. Also, um, ghost hunting classes are provided as an experience at the reformatory. 
They have from beginner to intermediate to um, ghost walks for those who are more experienced with the paranormal and just kind of want to interact. Um, and they have ones that start at night and they have ones that's, that are during the day, too. Some of the events I'm really interested in this event is in July, they have Incarceration, a music and tattoo festival. It's a three-day festival held in July. Some of the more known bands that I performed in the past are Three Days Grace, A Day to Remember, which is my favorite, Rise Against, Our Lady Peace, and Blackstone Cherry. And then this one I think is such an interesting event that they have. It's called the Shawshank Hustle. It's a 7K run, which runners will cross through five film locations where they filmed the movie. Like seven K, wow! Like what is what is that? What's a seven K? What does that equal to? Yeah. I don't I don't run obviously, so I I don't know. I, I just know five K. Like maybe we should look up how how many miles a seven K yeah, is because I don't know. Hey, what better way to die from exercising? Come do it at a prison that's haunted. Miles is oh four point three miles. Oh, so that's just a little over. A five K is three, right? I guess so. Yeah. So we just jump past six. Why seven though? I wonder why seven. Yeah, that's interesting. I have no idea. There are, there are people who are like professional runners, like these dumbasses. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's a murder mystery dinner theater put on by the Mansfield Playhouse, and I think that one speaks for itself. That's pretty cool. So let's just jump into it into yeah, the paranormal let's get to this, stuff. Like, yeah, paranormal activity. Let's do it. Helen Gacky, in 1949, she's the wife of the prison superintendent at this time, and he was superintendent from 1935 to 1959, and she died unexpectedly. Like, it's really weird. She was just reaching up in her closet shelf to retrieve something from her jewelry box when a handgun fell, and according to the official report, the gun discharged, striking her left lung. Two days later, she died of complications from the injury. That's so weird. Like, your husband is the warden of a prison, and you guys have a gun in your closet? Yeah, like, like you would think you the be safety like, I mean, would... you know, like, you're surrounded by dudes with guns. Like, why would you put it up? But well, I, well, maybe they had kids. I don't know. Does they did have they had... children, but also I'm kind of wondering, there's a whole bunch of paranormal sightings. Could some... I'm yeah, just thinking, I mean, it was like, already, like, almost 100 years old at this point, I think, right? Like, Yeah, 19, the, and it, honestly... Yeah, because it was built in, go back to the beginning, 1886. Yeah, so I have a civil so, war, yeah, and it it's like, the 40s yeah, now, almost like, the know, 50s. Like, yeah, like, so, like 80 years to go. Or, yeah. And did we really have a whole, like, well-known paranormal investigators at this point? Like, when did Lorraine and Warrens, or Lorraine uh, and Ed start? I always want to say her I want to say that they kind of rose to prominence in the 70s. In the 70s. So, so at I'm this sure, point. I'm sure that like they were probably like doing stuff in the 50s and 60s, but it wasn't like, like as, as. So they might not even. Yeah. So who's to say that a ghost didn't do it? Right. If I had my buddy Matt Fabian from ghosttown.com here, he'd, he'd be able to <laughs> let me in. He'd, he'd tell me what's up. So some of her sightings are. Get back to my notes. Is she like a lady in white where she appears in like. No. Okay. She she is not. I mean, they must be thinking of something else. I mean, they've seen her. They've seen her walking to her bathroom, but nothing of like any reports of her touching anybody, bothering anybody. The biggest one is um, ghost hunters have claimed the scent of her rose scented perfume that they've smelled that. Like I guess uh, it's like a distinct perfume she always wore. So they, it's more of a smell. Sure. From where she died. Um, almost a decade after Helen's passing, her husband, Arthur, so the superintendent at the time, died in his office from a sudden heart attack. 
The reformatory coordinator has stated and believes that the couple are attached to the building because they raised their family there, because they lived there when you were superintendent. How weird like, is that? yeah, I know. Can you imagine being a kid and I growing know, right? up in a prison? Yeah, like, like, hey, you want to come over and eat dinner at the fucking prison? The food's <laughs> great. <laughs> um. Their kids did eventually move out, but they didn't move out until after they graduated from high school. That's all I could really find about their kids. Um, a lot of ghosts um, for guard sightings. Investigators have experienced invisible hands assisting them up the stairs at the reformatory and feeling pressure on their back and or arms. And they think these are the, the guards? Yeah, they think it's the guards because huh. like a lot of guards... Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of guards probably died, you know, oh, in this sure, reformatory. Yeah. You know, like I said, there was at least two from when two yeah, what prisoners was that? were at least 200 people died. Uh, yeah, including two guards. Yeah, yeah, in, in, in attempted attempt. prison yeah, escapes. Yeah, so, Frank Hanger, Frank Hanger was a guard who was murdered by a disgruntled inmate in 1940. So that was just a little bit before um, Helen died because right. she died in 1949. Right. He had been known to be spotted on the investigation footage, like when they were doing live footage and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's crazy. I don't think I've ever heard in all the stuff that I've ever watched or listened to, like a ghost wanting to be caught on tape. It has also been stated that Frank is true to his role and responds well to authority. So it's kind of like he still just does his job. (laughs) On the third floor, lots of activity and... A lot of this stuff I got from the website itself. Like most of everything that so I So I found something on Okay. Frank Hanger. This is from uh, odmp.org, which is Officer Down Memorial page. Okay. So, end of watch, Thursday, October 6th, 1932. Oh, well, wait a minute. Oh. We're in the 30s. Yeah, we're in the 30s. Okay. So guard Frank Hanger succumbed to injuries sustained four days earlier when one of four inmates struck him on the head with an iron bar as they attempted to escape from the Ohio State Reformatory in Mansfield, Ohio. So he was one of the two guards. Yeah, he was 42. Wow. The inmate who struck guard Hanger and another inmate were sentenced to death and executed in the electric chair on November 23rd, 1933. The third inmate was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to one to 20 years. The fourth inmate was tried and acquitted. Um, He was buried in Mount View Cemetery in Mount Vernon, Ohio. If you were going to escape from prison, how would you do it? Uh, Wow, if I was going to escape from prison, how would I do it? Well, I think I would need a spoon, first (laughs) off. I I think you need, like, a good spoon. And then, like, I don't know. I've seen so many, like, videos or, like, movies, you know? Like, uh-huh. some guy, like, didn't he, like, like dig through a wall with a spoon or some shit? Like, I don't I don't know. Like, that's so hard to think of. Like, um, like definitely, like, the whole sewer route would be pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, that seems kind of, like, isn't that how they did it in Alcatraz, too? Like, in the movie Alcatraz? With, I have never seen that. You haven't? Like, no. with um, Clint Eastwood? Like, I'm pretty sure, like, he, like, there were, like, fans involved in some stuff like i don't know like i gotta hand it to i ted. gotta think about it go ahead i gotta hand it to ted bunny like he really got away from the stereotypical of like digging a hole through the floor or going through the sewer he what just do, do he got fit 
He did. He was. He um. So he was at a court thing, and he noticed in a side room. He asked to go take like a phone call or something, and he started doing the trajectory of the fall from that window down to the ground. And he started oh. in his bunk bed, getting his legs strong, and he would just jump from the top of his bed. Firmly on the ground, and he kept doing that, and he kept right. doing that, and he kept getting his legs strong and everything. So when he was at his next court hearing, he tricked the guard to go in there and make a phone call, and he escaped through the window. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So apparently we need to do a story on that. Yeah, for and sure. And you need to see Zach Efron's performance of Ted Bundy, because it's pretty good. Wait, is that an actual thing? I thought it was a meme. No, it's an actual thing. Oh, my gosh. I didn't realize <laughs> Yeah, it's oh. on Netflix. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> That's why those memes are so funny. Huh. So getting back on track here. So the third floor, lots of activity has been stated of like seeing shadow people, audible voices, footsteps, and the feeling of not being alone um, is claimed to be a very normal feeling for visitors. I think what the basement has one of the most creepiest stories, in my opinion. It's a story of a 14-year-old boy who was beaten to death in the basement. People have reported sightings of the boy's small figure, malicious presence, and have seen a figure running away in fear. Huh. Like, Why was there a 14-year-old boy beaten to death there? Yeah, I know. And I found this on the actual Reformatory's website, and there was no... Oh, really? Yeah, huh. most of everything that I have here is actually from the Reformatory's website, like by one of their bloggers or something like that. Um, the chapel has been known to make skeptics less skeptical, and all the website said was, lately the ghosts have been getting rather grabby up there. Mm. And I was like, that kind of sounds kind of pervy, but yeah. I'm not sure what context they're going. Like, are they pushing people? Or Right. I think they're grabbing them booty. <laughs> Okay, um, moving to the West Attic. Once again, per the website, they've just stated that they have had a well-known paranormal celebrity there, and they had an experience up in the attic, and they refused to go back in. And they have clearly stated that they're not going to make any, like, we're not going to know who it is. All they say is that he grabbed his stuff really quick, and he got out of there. Grabbed a scarf or his stuff? Apparently his scarf and his stuff. I don't I wonder who who always wore a scarf. Who I wonder I know. Was it that Ryan guy from Paranormal State? I feel like he always used to like Maybe have like a jacket on and a scarf. Maybe it was him. I, I definitely know. want to go back and watch any of like the ghost shows that yeah. like did coverage on this. Yeah, I've been doing that. Um kind of. Like I've been well, just watching ghost shows, like because mm-hmm. I just got like cable back. So like the first thing that was on was Zach Bagans. Oh yeah. Ghost of the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's I feel like he's actually toned it down from what I remember. But it's probably because a lot of people that gets, make like, fun it, of him on Twitter. Yeah, like he was still like, I think something's trying to attack me. <laughs> and he got like real aggressive or whatever, but you know, so I guess Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah, he's something else, I guess. Um moving. Oh, another thing in the basement per the website is all they said was there seems to be two different um, entities down there. One is nice while the other is not. I'm like, are God and the devil like arm wrestling down there or something? One's good, one's not. Um, The cell block on the east and the west per the website again has said to um, bring grown men to tears. 
Many murders and suicides took place in these areas. Well, I would think so. People are trying to escape prison. Oh, the other one that's really creepy happens on the east wing in the toilet room and east showers. Sightings of shadow people have been sighted down there in the shower room located in this wing. A supernatural presence can often be noted through thought to be the spirit of an inmate who hung himself. And then this is where it gets really, really creepy. People have reported feelings as if they are being choked and he likes to mess with flashlights and other electronics. Like, I wonder now with, like, cell phones and everything, do, like, visitors have a lot more paranormal, like, I don't know, just, like, if people with flashlights and everybody's got a cell phone, so do you think that more visitors would have more sightings today than they would, like, back in the 90s when cell phones weren't as popular? Because, like, it seems like, to me personally, the only things I've ever really experienced were, like, um auditory mm-hmm. you know and i've never ever really been able to except for the one time i've never really been able to see anything yeah um but you there's a theory that like like these entities they kind of like drain batteries and, and things like that to yeah. kind of appear so you would think that like there would be more evidence of like just weird shit happening constantly right because mm-hmm. they're like draining batteries unless they don't care about it and they're just like yeah whatever man I don't need to prove my existence to you or whatever you yeah know? so I don't know um on also on the east wing again a desperate inmate decided to douse himself in kerosene and light himself on fire oh my gosh yep. how did he get a hold of kerosene what is I know going on like seriously. seriously like doing, I always wondered that doing their job <laughs> So probably the most haunted area in the whole reformatory is the solitary confinement, also known as the hole. This was basically the prison inside the prison. Many men were known to take their lives while housed in this area. Um, stated to be, like I said, it's a huge hot spot. Many people have reported feelings of discomfort, not feeling nauseous, cold spots, and feeling of being watched. Moving on to the stairway leading to the guard tower at the reformatory. It has had reports of unseen occupants shoving visitors who then must react pretty freaking quickly to avoid falling as a result. Yeah. And voices and laughter can be heard echoing. Like, could you imagine you're just on vacation, you just decide to stop at this reformatory, and you get shoved down the fucking stairs? Dude, no kidding. Like, (laughs) oh, how was your vacation to Ohio? Great. I got pushed down the (laughs) fucking stairs by a ghost. (laughs) What? So the chapel, um, and I just saw this, it says that the chapel is the scene of many paranormal events. Many believe it is the nucleus uh, for much of the prison's hauntings and ghost tales. Uh, Supposedly before the area became the chapel, it was actually used for executions. Oh my gosh. People have said that they captured many orbs and photographs. I'm not really a big believer in orbs. Yeah, me uh, neither. But... um, and that they have recorded strange, unde- I, unidentifiable sounds when inside the chapel. Well, if executions took place, that would make sense why the graveyard would have a lot that's, of paranormal that's activity. Reported, supposedly, they were taking place there. So You should look up the graveyard as well. Uh, it says that the inmates' graveyard visitors have reported seeing objects move in the graveyard and equipment failure is not uncommon there. And that's from thoughtco.com. Uh... 
forward slash haunting ghost stories of Ohio State Reformatory. Oh, this story makes me want to go visit here so bad because I feel like this is the moment where I'm actually going to see a ghost for the first time. So this is the story of Phoebe Wise. In December of 1891, Miss Wise was tortured by robbers who decided to break into her house to steal the family treasure, which had been falsely rumored to be hidden there. After stealing whatever money and jewelry she had and the robbers leaving her brutalized, Phoebe had to free herself from where they tied her up and make her way to the reformatory to contact help. Miss Wise was never able to move on from the traumatic event. People have said, um, well, the reformatory has reported that she's harmless, but is likely to startle newcomers. Phoebe can often be seen heading toward the reformatory, either in pursuit of police or to fetch water from the spring nearby. Some have claimed she tried to hitch a ride back. And it's also said that children have believed that she is some kind of witch because for the children that have seen her, she's like been running down, like screaming for help, or she just looks just batshit crazy. Right. Did you see anything about um, the chair room? No, I did not. So the chair room is named after a sole piece of furniture in it, and it holds a dark spirit, people think. Um, the chair can be heard scraping around on the floor when no one is in the room. And a paranormal hunter received scratches from the ghost as he sat in the chair. Supposedly, the ghost dislikes the chair being moved by, like, living hands. So, uh, moving it to the center of the room makes him mad, and he will push it back to the same creepy corner that it sat in for years. And apparently, it was uh, Nick Roth was the hunter that got attacked, I guess. Uh, I think he's... Actually, from uh, Ghost Adventures, I think. Or oh, maybe really? He was. Um, but yeah, so I think he kind of pushed it to the middle of the room and it came back and got him or something. Can we see like, if we can pull up if any famous inmates? I couldn't find anything when I was researching. Nothing pulled up right away. Famous inmates. But if it was open till 1990, I feel like somebody who was on unsol- Unsolved Mysteries or something had to pop up. Famous in state, inmates of Ohio State. There's a whole list of like everybody who came through. List of prisoners brought to Ohio State Reformatory at Mansfield from the Ohio State Penitentiary at Columbus, and it's got a whole roster, the original 150. Ooh, maybe we'll have to post that on our page. Assault to rape, assault to rape, robbery, burglary, grand larceny, horse stealing, horse stealing, <laughs> highway robbery, uh, assault to rape, horse stealing. Can you one. imagine that conversation at the table? What yeah. are you in for? Oh, I'm in for horse stealing. Whoa, wait a minute. Uh, f- this guy named Frank, he got three years for having intercourse with a female pupil. Like an eyeball? No, like a like a like an a equal? Like, like a an pupil? Equal, a pupil? Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Weird. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> All right. So, um, so Ohio is like so strange, and I have another story to talk about uh, maybe two more three more um but we're gonna get to that like next week we're gonna break this up into two parts because we don't want you here all night so um next week we're gonna be covering something a little bit different uh usually we deal in like ghosts and, and whatnot but i actually would like to talk about the ohio grass man which is like their version of bigfoot i guess so 
Interesting. Yeah, but uh, just running down the, the list Sure here, it's not a guy running around in a ghillie suit? I don't know. It, <laughs> it would have been like a really long time because they've been reporting sightings for over 150 years. So Wow. Right. Holy crap. So we're going to get to that uh, in two weeks. So on our next episode that we're going to drop. But um, we're running a contest on our Instagram, right? Are we? We are. Currently, right now, we are running a giveaway for a Strange Heartland t-shirt. And it's really simple how you enter. All you have to do is go follow us on our page, like that t-shirt post, and tag three people you know who love all strange stories, paranormal, true crime, all that jazz. And that just gets you an entry. The more people you tag, the more entries you get for the t-shirt. But to kind of push that t-shirt forward, we have a really awesome gift that we're not going to tell you what it is, but I can guarantee it's cool because I want one myself. But if you can get your three followers to go follow and do all that stuff on that post, you'll be entered in for that special prize. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, I kind of want to keep it. Yeah, me too. Like, it's on my desk right now, and I just kind of, like, don't want to give it away, but I will. Maybe I'll maybe I'll see if I can get one for myself. If you would like to share your Strange Heartland story, please get in contact with us at strangeheartland at gmail.com. For more on Strange Heartland, including photos of the apartment from Episode 6, other content, and giveaways, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm Mike Waters. And I'm Dory Seegers. And good night. Good night. So, um, as always, you know, uh, what, am I, what do I usually say? Oh, yeah, let me get that up. Right. <clears throat> what were we talking about? <laughs> Damn it, Mike. Sorry. <laughs> I'm Mike Waters. And I'm Dory Seegers. And good night. Good night. We should do it at the same time. Okay. <laughs> Let's count it down. Okay. One, two, three. Good, night. good night. Oh, my God. <laughs> That'll be fine.